Welcome, you're listening to a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted ministry partner for planned giving. And here's your host, Kurt Knoll, Director of Member Relations. Hey, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Kurt Knoll, the Director of Member Relations here at Barnabas Foundation. And joining me today are Jim Kirk and Sherry Hudson, two colleagues of ours um, at Compassion International. And we're going to talk a bit today about um, the work that they've been doing over the last year since becoming members with Barnabas Foundation in uh, engaging with their fundraising teams and with their donors um, in the area of plan giving. And so we'll dive into some questions with them here in a few, just a second. But uh, during today's broadcast, as we're as we're talking with Jim and Sherry, if you have a question during it, feel free to type it into the Q&A section there at the bottom of the Zoom screen, and it'll pop up right here, and we'll address them as they come in. Um, Jim, Sherry, thank you so much for joining me and taking a little bit of time today to share kind of, uh, you know, the work that you've been doing over the last year and, and uh, your insights into how to apply everything that we've been talking about with members for a long time and how you've been able to apply it within uh, your organization and your donor base. Uh, so I just thank you for your time for joining us today. Yeah, thank you um, for having us. Before we get started, um, I thought we'd just take a moment and as, as each of you kind of uh, begin, um, maybe just share a little bit about yourselves and, and Sherry, especially we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about Compassion International as well. Yeah, I'm Sherry Hudson. I've been with Compassion for um, almost 13 years now. I've been prior to where I, my position now in plain giving, I was um, in a mid-level relationship manager and moved into the area of, of plain giving about um, five and a half years ago or so, somewhere in that area. So uh, yes, and Compassion is, um, we are a sponsorship organization. Our ministry is releasing children from poverty in Jesus's name. We work in 25 developing countries. We work specifically through established local churches. So um, we are just, we come alongside the church in um, providing for children and families in their um, in their communities and just give them the tools. So it's it's just serving alongside them and it's sponsorship. So one on one relationships between sponsors and um, individual children. So we're just really working to build that relationship and, and seeing obviously a, a huge impact on the children and the families' lives through that. Um, as far as, um, do you want me to go in a little bit about what Compassion, our team, or let go? Oh, we'll let, come to that in just a second, Sherry, if we could. But I'd like to ask Jim just to kind of introduce himself as well. And one of the things that struck me the last time I met with you guys just a couple of weeks ago was how you guys have had to adapt a bit the ministry over this past year with COVID. And so, Jim, maybe you could just share a second, you know, what's not only a little bit about yourself and your time at Compassion, but how did, how did COVID impact the work you're doing in the field, especially um, for the benefit of our listeners? Yeah, so my name is Jim Kirk. I'm also on the state um, plan giving team with Compassion. I've been with Compassion about 10 years, two years in estate planning. Like Sherry, I was on the mid-level team and then joined a estate planning team. And um, yeah, COVID has affected us, uh, you know, as a team here, we can't travel. And so that's really affected us because Sherry and I kind of split the country east and west. She serves the western half of the U.S., I serve the east. And uh, so normally we're out visiting folks ourselves. Um, and then the kids we serve... Um, are served through their local church. And so Compassion operates through the local church. And by God's grace, the ministry is already set up. When COVID yeah. happens, we're not, you know, nobody has to fly home. Everybody's already living where the kids are that serve those kids. And so the church is outreaching to the kids, doing some amazing things with, uh, you know, going into the neighborhoods and finding ways to hook up printers and laptops in the back of pickup trucks 
so that they can deliver homework assignments to kids and go through the neighborhood with a little bullhorn saying who needs homework, you know, print it out and they'll print it out. They got a cell phone attachment to get the wireless connection. It's amazing the innovation that the church does, but also providing kids with uh, birthday parties and um, doing uh, Christmas, you know, scenes in the middle of the streets, finding ways that are creative to reach these kids. Cause normally they come together, you know, 200, 300 children at a, at a church and during COVID they can't do that. And so that's kind of neat. And then we've had to just do other things where how do we reach these children with the need, their food needs, their medical needs, their just social care and psychological care. And they're growing up, growing up in difficult homes and difficult situations where they need a level of protection. And so the pastors and teachers of the church are going to the homes and checking on these kids and making sure they're okay. So pretty awesome how God has designed it and, and how people are already on the ground serving the, the kids that we serve. That's amazing. Amazing organization you guys are blessed to work for. And it's been a pleasure to get to know you guys over the past year. And, you know, Compassion is not a small organization. It's really substantial in size. You raise a lot of money every year and you take care of a lot of kids around the world. And that leads to a, a fairly substantial fundraising team. Um, you know, Sherry, can you tell us a little bit, what does your fundraising organization at Compassion look like? Yeah, in our what we call constituent development team, we have about 30 relationship managers that are working on um, help coming alongside ministry partners beyond sponsorship. So this is outside of the over million sponsors that we have. Um, this is these is people that are giving beyond that to different funds and different proposals in specific areas that resonate with them. So um, we have a major donor team. We have a mid-level donor team, a business team, and then our plan giving team as well that um, we all work together um, on on just nurturing those people and what that looks like. And um, yeah, what what we do with Barnabas has been um transformational really for us as a plan giving team and enabling us to just do so much more um, with with all of our other teams and in coming alongside them. Well it's been a, it's been a pleasure getting to know your organization and working alongside you. Your plan giving efforts are relatively young, right? I mean for an organization your size and as, lo as long as you've been in existence, if I recall your plan giving efforts only seven or eight years old, correct? Right, right. We, um, it, there has been um, peaks and valleys in plan giving over the last, Compassion, uh, Compassion started in 1956. So, so there has been some plan giving going on, but it's kind of been peaks and valleys, but it was pretty stagnant for a period of time. And it was reflected in, you know, obviously the gifts coming in, but about seven years ago, seven and a half years ago, we really started bolstering up um, what plan giving is at Compassion and being very intentional on strategy and and breaking down that strategy. And, and um, so it's, it's been made a big difference in our plan giving department. Excellent. So we started working together just last year as COVID really started to erupt. I recall my last business trip of 2020 was actually a trip where I came out and visited with you all. And, um, and we spent some time kind of putting the final pieces together and we started really working together in the summer. Oh. Um, and you've been through our trainings. Um, you, you've done the boot camp. You attended the, actually the March boot camp in, in Grand Rapids that we did in the, in the proven strategy session that we did. And it was wonderful to have you. Um, and we engaged with you over the summer. And in the fall, we actually did some really intense planning work with you guys, um, in a week long training thing we did with you all. But, um, you know, from your initial work with us, where has been the focus and how have you guys started to have some success with uncovering 
um, plan giving opportunities with that team of reps that you have out in the field. You know, how did this kind of come about? Describe the process that went on over the last 12 months, especially as we've uh, been able to uncover some really nice gifts lately. Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off, Sherry. You can jump in. But, uh, you know, what we did is we, like you said, Kurt, we attended the boot camp a March ago, you know, a couple, whatever, anyways, a little over a year ago. And so, first of all, that just brought Sherry and I up, a lot, you know, multiple levels in our understanding of, you know, what to, first of all, what are our fears? What are our assumptions going into any of these conversations? Then what do we need to look for? And then what are the questions we ask? How do we engage in these conversations? And so that just helped us individually, you know, in our own efforts. But then what we did is we took that same material and broke it down to bite-sized chunks, you know, with our relationship managers. They're focused on current giving. And they don't always appreciate or understand that asset giving is current giving and can be really significant and actually dwarf what you're getting now. And, um, and so we try to think of ways to creatively get in front of them uh, bite-sized chunks of the boot camp. And so we would just do webinars like this with our team. If we could meet in person, we would have. We would have role-played with them if we could, but we couldn't. And so we did, just did some bite-sized presentations and Sherry and I role-played and we got creative. We did some goofy things just to, just to mix it up and get their attention. It's a pretty boring subject to the average human. And so, and it's, and it's almost like a, an unknown, a complexity that they don't know they want to enter. So we just try to make it digestible. And so we started with a you know, bite-sized training one month, another one, another month, and just kept on going, trying to think of stories they could relate to and, uh, and make it as easy for them as you guys made it for us, um, but just in a digestible form. And then we did that throughout the year in different ways. And then our, our, our relationship managers, our donor managers attended the boot camp themselves this year. And so that was really cool, like the culmination. And the, one of the cool things about it was they would send us notes after like, wow, you guys really know what you're talking about. Well, we'd only done what you told us to do, but it was just kind of fun. And uh, you guys make it really easy with your training. I encourage anybody who's watching to, you know, participate in the boot camp, go through the training, go through your own journey and your own plan to get through your, you know, what are those fears and things that you need to get through? And then you're ready to present it. And, and one of the things that I, I want to say that really stuck with me is Jim Baki said, the conversation you're prepared for, you will have. And so we've seen that happen over and over in our, in our time this last year. Oh, interesting point there. The conversation you're prepared for is the one you'll end up having. Um, it's a great statement there. You know, Jim, as you think back on that time and you go back to the, you know, the boot camp and the work we did with you over the past year, what were some of those fears you had? I mean, were those thoughts in your head that kept you from, or, or even for the reps, what were you hearing from your reps? What's keeping them from asking some of these questions that we- Yeah, great question. Ask? I think there's a lot of assumptions that we make when we're dealing with people that are generous and they have wealth, we assume that they have these things figured out. I think that's the biggest assumption. And therefore asking them any questions about it would be offending them in some way, <clears throat> excuse me, or somehow setting them off or, or maybe even turning it into you're trying to get deeper into my pocket. Well, we're not, we're trying to serve the, the donor. And I think the more we understand that this serves your organization and it serves the person you're talking to, that takes away all the fear and the, you know, the assumptions. And then what we found is you know, nine out of 10 people well, first of all, half people don't have an estate plan. And then the nine out of 10 who do need help and they don't know it. And so what you realize is you can really be an expert in helping people. And, and I'll, let me say this too. You don't even have to be the expert. You have experts at Barnabas who will help you. And so you're just listening for trying to help people. So I think the fears are really rooted in, am I going to offend? Am I going to you know, ruin a relationship? Um, but I think if you're, um, you follow the kind of the training that Barnabas offers, you understand you're really there to serve people. Uh, that takes a lot of that off the table. 
And then, like I said, assumptions. What would you say, Sherry? What would you add to that? Um, totally agree. It's, it's the assumptions and that fear of being asked a question that you can't answer. That's constantly what was brought up to us. And so over and over again, just offering Jim and my assistance and then knowing that we have this backing of Barnabas. So because Jim and I had the opportunity to do quite a bit of in-depth training, we're usually the first level. We'll, they'll go through us. And if we then need to push it off to Barnabas and bring them in and their um, team, then we do that. But just that comfort of making that transition of being able to have the conversation and not, and knowing that you probably aren't going to have the answers, but being really confident and comfortable in who and um, when to be pulling people in. Excellent. Thanks for that. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that whole at the beginning there, Jim, when you talked about the assumption of thinking people in these, you know, in these wealth dynamics know this stuff or have it figured out. Um, it's ironic because yesterday I took a call from a, from a fundraiser at another ministry, another one of our ministry partners, and um, he's relatively new to plan giving. He's been through our boot camp and he admits to me he's afraid to ask these questions and he stumbles through it a little bit. But he was talking with a donor over the weekend and the donor was um, sharing with him that he had bought a stock and it had appreciated 20x from where he bought it at. And it was worth something ridiculous. And he was prepared to sell some and make a gift to their ministry. And he, he, it triggered right there, you know, that training and it triggered and he was nervous, but he said, he said, hold on, you know, has anybody explained to you the benefits of giving the stock rather than giving the cash? The guy had no clue. And this is a multimillionaire, you know, he's got, this is a, this position alone for him was worth about a million and a half dollars. And it was to him, he was stunned that this gentleman didn't have this figured out. And so he referred them to us and we engaged one of our staff members engaged with him about giving in a broader perspective, thinking about his wealth in a broader perspective. And now all of a sudden he's wanting to talk to one of our planners and figure out his entire estate plan. So just that single question, that moment of pause that he took in that conversation to say, you know, has anybody talked to you about this? And I know a little bit about it, but I've got an expert that I can bring to the table um, help now drive this to a point where we have an opportunity to do some amazing work with this gentleman and, and really help fulfill a whole lot of money for charity because the man's extremely generous and minimize an awful lot of taxes along the way. So yeah, and for, you see how the donor responds so positively, even if they did know that they would have been reminded of it, you know, and thank mm -hmm. you for thinking of me because this is about them. It's not about you. So it's, right. it's incredible how you really help people. Once you get over your fears and assumptions, this is a service uh, and it's kingdom minded. So it's, it's it is, cool. it is. And I say that often talking with our members that you have to think of this as not an ask, but as more of an educational service that you're educating your donors on different ways to give that are more tax efficient or, or smarter ways to give. Um, you know, but you, you mentioned too the, the conversation you're prepared for, this is the one you're going to have, which we talk about often in our, in our training is to role play and to practice, but that can be awkward. You know, what did, what did you guys feel like as you went through that? We did it at the boot camp. Then when you were here for a week with us and we were doing that other training, I mean, we, we did a lot of that role play with you. You know, it feels awkward at first, but you, did you begin to really feel a value in it as, as you did it more and more? Ahead, I, I totally did. I um, honestly, when, when I started then um, going specifically to our ministry partners and doing these asks to do blueprints for them or whatever, it was honestly, to me, a lot easier than it was even in the role play. So I felt like the role play beyond prepared me. I'm like, oh, this isn't that hard because I really knew what I was talking about. And, and um, just really completely gave it that a uh, next level of confidence. And we did some role-playing with our um, RMs as well. So we've done a little bit of that. And it. I know it has helped. 
it has, well, it's obviously helped because of what we've seen come out of it and the conversations, it really, honestly, that is the key to this whole thing. The conversations that you're prepared to have, you're going to have. And I think that's just what's flowed through all of our relationship managers on just having their radar up and not being experts in it, but having their radar up to know and hear. Yeah, I think there's so much to the repetition in the in getting in getting on a bike, and and so um, it is awkward at boot camp when you have to turn to somebody and ask them a question. But I, again, that's the wisdom of your guys' training. You force us to get it off our lips. Uh, there's just something to that process of hard head and you know mouth that come together, and you just get comfortable. Like that wasn't so hard. I can do that again. The first time you tell somebody you love them, it's daunting, and then you tell them you love them a lot, right? So it's uh, it's not unlike that. No, very true. Very true. Um, and I would imagine that the, your regional reps, when you first did that role play a little bit, there was some awkwardness in the room for them too, right? It, well, and- we haven't had the opportunity yet. They will experience it. Um, but but because we've been separated for right. that whole time, we couldn't get together for anything. Even Sherry and I can't get together. So, um, you know, it's uh, we, we will put them through it because it's so valuable. And you just make it fun. And you basically drop your pride. Drop the, the context of what's going on. Just enter into it, you know, and, uh, you know, embrace it, be uncomfortable and know that that discomfort will set you up for future success to serve the people you serve with excellence. That's the whole point of this. It's not about you. It's about your ministry and those that you serve, as, you know, as an extension of your ministry. Amen. Um, <clears throat> how over the last year have you seen kind of the impact of what we've taught? I mean, we, we've we've uncovered a number of real estate transactions specifically, but what else has been going on perhaps that we didn't see here? Have you guys seen an uplift in activity related to these types of giving conversations just as a result of all this work you've been doing with the reps? Yeah, we both have. So yeah, Um, real estate gifts, conversations that just um, even beyond, like you said, even what you've um, experienced is just those RMs just pulling us in really pretty early, a lot earlier than they would have before because um, the conversation got to, oh, we have a a team that can help you with estate planning or asset giving or any complex giving. I mean, it's as simple as that oftentimes Um, doesn't, and just drawing us in. So we have seen, yeah, property gifts and um, closely held stock and some some pretty major gifts come in that were not kind of, this type of gift was not as common, um, even for compassion, the size of our organization. We were, you know, stock gifts are, are pretty common, obviously, but um, but even stock gifts, and what you, exactly what you talked about happened yesterday, that happens all the time with our relationship managers and with us, the timing of those conversations are so important. We have to be there and be in front of people and bring up that option so that you're not hearing about it the week after they did the sale. Mm-hmm. There, that you're being really um, on top of it and being uh, being being the first person that gives them that information because that adds so much value. Just that little thing about that reminder of let us know before you sell your business. Let us know before you retire. Let us know before you're doing any um, stock sales. Just let us know and we can help you. So it's it's that ongoing conversation that has to happen. Really, honestly, our, our words, especially to our major donor RMs, every time that you talk to one of your, relation, your um, relationships, is to bring it up 
because it's going to happen in that prop every year. There's probably going to be something that you could help them with. Yeah. And I think another neat thing that for anybody watching too, is um, we've become experts, you know, we don't consider ourselves experts, experts, but we have a level of expertise that's higher than it was before. And it's higher than our donor managers. And so we are now a resource for them. And they ask us questions. And I had, you know, calls this week about, Hey Jim, this situation's happening. What could I do here? You know, and sometimes it's pointing them to a donor advised fund or it's pointing them to who knows what else other you know, options, but um, you become um, a helper to your donor managers and to those that they serve. And so if you are bringing that message to those in your team, it'll help you with those other relationships around them. Otherwise we are the separate team talking about bequests. No one even knows what bequest even means, you know, and they don't care. But now we're helping them with their asset giving and we help them understand through your guys' help too, Russell James and his materials. And when you start someone thinking about giving an asset, how that changes their plans. But when you start someone with a, including your ministry in their estate, how that changes their whole dynamic, you're a part of their family and their giving goes up in other ways. And so our relationship managers are understanding the value of what Sherry and I do here and uh, what you all do with us and help us equip us for. So so I think that's just another really positive aspect to this that, um, that goes on. Our relationships with our relationship managers have gone up like, you know, probably 400% value. So yeah. that's fantastic news. I'm so thankful to hear that. And, you know, as that continues to mature and you build that bigger and bigger bond in the trust level, I mean, there's always trust already within an organization like yours, but as they begin to understand the impact, um, you'll always have the reluctant ones that are a little less excited about it. And you'll have your first adopters and that's all good. But over time, as you get more and more with that, those reluctant people come along and all of a sudden, you know, the opportunities will be endless in an organization your size for plan giving opportunities. Um, but it's interesting, just you, you mentioned just a second ago too, about, you know, not assuming people um, have everything together. Uh, it's funny, it just, caused me to recall another conversation that happened this past week here at Barnabas. We were actually talking to a, uh, an attorney colleague, a lawyer in the field, was engaged with, um, with one of our folks here. We've had a long relationship with this gentleman, and it dawned on him that he had just helped a gentleman sell his business, and the topic of charity didn't even come up. And it's too late, right? There's nothing we can do about it now. But um, it's important. Um, you're the only ones, the folks in the field talking to donors, you're the only ones that can carry that charitable mantle the way you can. You cannot assume professional advisors are going to be out there carrying that, you know, that torch for you in the same way. Or, or perhaps they're fearful themselves of raising the question of how charitable a donor may be. So you have that uh, quote unquote obligation to be out in the field and, and carrying that message to your donor base on these special ways to give and different ways to give um, great message to reinforce over and over again. Don't assume these people have advisors that are telling them all these things or they have it all figured out because uh, our experience has shown us that yes, some do and some have wonderful advisors, but there's quite a few folks out there that um, the higher percentage of people don't. And yeah. so it's important to carry that message out there. Well, just to, to, to piggyback on that, Kurt, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the, Someone might have an attorney, they might have a financial advisor, they might have an accountant, but they rarely have those folks in the same room and really talk. And then uh, many of them aren't thinking charitably. So uh, we offer value in kind of putting together that Bermuda Triangle and sitting and helping you know, the donor in the middle of that. Um, but we had, a, we had a donor who was a, a turnaround CEO guy. He makes $5 million on a payout every five years, three to five years when they, you know, he, he succeeds and they sell the business. 
five million dollar payout had no idea about charitable giving got you know basically got a 1.4 million dollar haircut you know is what we talked about and so we don't share the person's name but we share this as an example uh to our team like this is the kind of stuff that's happening if you would have helped if, if we had the conversation we now by god's grace we had the conversation with this gentleman right before he got this payout but it wasn't enough time for him he didn't want to pull the trigger but he still paid 1.4 million dollars in taxes he didn't have to pay and so that's a great story for us to share with RMs. Again, we don't share the guy's actual name, but, um, but we kind of play that up as like, this is what's happening. And these are your relationships that you may not uh, understand. A guy who makes, who's a CEO doesn't always get it. And that's okay. He's not paid to get it. We're paid to help him get it. And so um, look for those examples in your organizations that you can share of this is, a, this is what can happen. If it goes wrong, this is what can happen if it goes well. Thanks. And the message we carry all the time with our members is, is ask, ask these questions, ask the larger donors or the donors that are give you a little more substantially than your regular, uh, you know, everyday, you know, annual giver, ask them about the asset-based giving opportunities and all of your supporters that have been supporters with you for, for a while, five years, 10 years, whatever your metric is, ask them if they've included or considered including um, compassion in your will and find your voice in that, find a way to make that segue in. Perhaps you use a lead in to say, you know, recently we've had a number of estate gifts come in the door. And I just wanted to ask you if you've considered how you might include it, you know, your ministry and your will or something like that. And if you'd like to work with us on, on that language or getting comfortable with it or role play, we're happy to do so. Um, and we'd be more than, you know, more than willing to do so with you uh, to get you asking these questions because there are opportunities, whether you're a large ministry, the size of compassion or your small ministry with a hundred donors, there's opportunities inside that donor base. Every one of your donor bases to uncover some of these wonderful ministry changing in some cases, uh, giving opportunities for your supporters to be a part of. And they're just waiting for you to ask. Um, and believe it or not, many of them may be being asked by someone else as, as another colleague at another ministry shared with me once. And so if you're not asking, you may be sending the wrong message to that supporter base. So Get out there and start asking. And, and Jim and Sherry, I'll just ask you guys, for those who are listening, those who will watch this in a recording later on, any last messages that you'd want to share with development officers, regional reps, mid-level donor reps, whoever it might be that might listen to this, board members, uh, what message might you share? Uh, just one last final closing statement. Either one want to go first? I, I just I just encourage anybody. I, I, I actually encourage other ministries in my that I have reached to like, you know, I think Barnabas is an incredible um, organization. We're like minded in, in, in every way. So I'm thankful for that. Enter in. There is such potential here. The, the you know, if forty one trillion dollars is going to be transferred from one generation to the next in the next however many years, you want to be a part of that. And so do the donors. They want to be a part of furthering ministry, stewarding wisely what God's entrusted to them. We all want to hear well done, good and faithful servant at the end of the day. I want that for myself. I want that for my donors. And I want the kingdom to be, you know, furthered as God wills, um, you know, and so we want to see these, these resources released for, for people to come to Christ. So that's what I'd say is entering. You got nothing to lose. It's a great, it's a great thing to be a part of and, and God gets the glory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As, and as you, as you view your position, whether you're a relationship manager for, um, I mean, obviously some of you do it all and, and we understand that that's hard, you know, um, but whatever your position is, this is ministry. This is their opportunity to come alongside people who have a desire to give and you can help them structure that in a way that gives more and stewards their money. And it is a privilege and an honor to do that on any level.
level for, um, for God's kingdom. And so don't be afraid. And that it's just getting over that fear of, I think the fear is obviously it's pride because it's us thinking about ourselves rather than thinking about what we're giving and what we'll have to offer other people. So, um, yeah, just do it. That's the big thing. And with that, Sherry, I think you'd agree. Like part of it, we get to see the end. These people thank us. They're calling up. It's like, Hey, how do we give money to Barnabas? You don't give money to Barnabas. You know, what do we need to do? Like they're so overwhelmingly thankful. Um, it's, it's pretty beautiful. It's oh, just an example of what Sherry's saying. It's like, that's the end result that you don't think about on this side of the rainbow. You're thinking, you know, there's another side of the rainbow. Yep. Right. Yeah. We, we often say here at Barnabas that, you know, we, we get a lot of thanks from donors all the time for just showing them ways to do this. And in the end, we're just helping people give their money away super efficiently. And um, it's an absolute blessing. I mean, it's a blessing to work in an organization like this and do the kind of work that we do. And I think everyone here would resonate with that statement. And we share that sentiment often. And um, it really is a ministry. It's an act of service to educate folks on ways to give differently like this. But Jim and Sherry, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for your time and carving out a little bit of time out of your day. I, I hope as, as Sonia uh, shared in her comment here section, just thanking us and you all for the encouraging teaching. And I hope others watching uh, have been encouraged as well. Um, and so you find benefit in, in just what we've been able to do, the work we've been able to do with Compassion um, here recently over the last year. Um, just a couple quick reminder updates. Um, next month, March 12th, will be next Zoom session. Steve Baker, one of our planners here at Barnabas Foundation, will join me. This is a donor invite event. And so there are materials available to you in the second quarter marketing plan, um, ways in which you can promote this. But if you have donors who are real estate investors, whether they um, own rental properties, perhaps they're farmers, perhaps they have second homes, uh, vacation homes, whatever it might be, and, and they're donors or supporters of your organization, you might want to share with them the details of the March 12th uh, Zoom session. We're going to talk, Steve and I are just going to talk about um, ways in which you can use real estate as a giving tool. Um, and we'll talk about some of the hows and whys and the tax benefits and so forth, but it is a donor event. So anybody who you might think might be worthwhile, uh, be sure to send the link out to them. It, of course, will be recorded. And that session will be available as well for you to share at a later date if people can't attend on March 12th itself. But um, look for those materials in the second quarter marketing plan available in the member center. If you have any trouble getting in the member center, let us know. Let Linnell Dykstra know. We'll be sure to get, uh, get you in and make sure you have access to it. And then secondly, uh, CLA, uh, the Christian Leadership Alliance Outcome Conference is June 15, 16, and 17 in Orlando. I know we've mentioned this uh, last broadcast or two, but if you're going to be there, let us know. If anyone from your organization is going to be there, let us know. We'd love to invite them to our luncheon on Wednesday, the 16th. Um, it's better than the box lunch that CLA provides, and it's an, a wonderful meal, and it's just a short time of fellowship where we just get to sit down at a nice cloth table, enjoy a nice warm meal, and enjoy some fellowship um, and we're happy to have any individual from any of our member organizations attend that, regardless of whether in fundraising or IT or human resources or even finance. We'll let those folks come in too. So uh, if you're going to be there, be sure to look for us. Um, Heather Day does have a session um, on that Thursday on the 17th um, in the afternoon. We'll be, she'll be talking about um, donor stories and how to write them and encourage donors to uh, to offer and be willing to do a donor testimonial and story. So if you're going to be in attendance, be sure to check out Heather's uh, workshop and stop by our booth. Uh, we'll be there, myself and several other members from the team will be at uh, CLA in Orlando this year. So look forward to seeing you again, Jim and Sherry. Thank you so much for your time and uh, blessings to all of you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. This has been a members-only broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn more about the variety of resources, tools, and training available to you by logging into the Member Center at www.barnabasfoundation.com.